This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned, because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Welcome back to another episode of Shrink Chicks. Today, we have the greatest guest that we're so excited to introduce you to, Julianne Taylor Shore, LMFT, LPC, SEP. Julianne (laughs) Jules is a therapist specializing in trauma recovery, interpersonal neurobiology, and couples work. In addition to her work with clients, she teaches therapists how to integrate neurobiological discoveries into their clinical work and has her own podcast, Why Does My Partner. We are so thrilled to have Jules on Shrink Chicks today to learn how we can apply her work to our relationships. Welcome. Oh my gosh. Thanks so much for having me. We're so excited. I was just saying off air that I saw Jules at the Psychotherapy Networker two years ago, and I was just enamored by the information she gave and the way in which she talked about it. So I was so excited to bring her on today. Oh my gosh, I am fangirling right now. <laughs> We're fangirling. Everyone's oh, everyone's you. fangirling. Just, Jen's texting me from um your your talk and she's like I am listening to the most amazing thing. This woman Jules is incredible. Oh my and gosh. And your work is amazing and I know you have a book coming out. We can talk a little bit more about that. We are so excited cuz your work <laughs> should be in the hands of every single person, I think. Oh my gosh, thank you guys so much. This I is think brilliant. It's it's amazing. I think there's something about like neurobiology that I think is so interesting. Mm-hmm. And and I think the more you can understand your own neurobiology and others neurobiology and how it like impacts our relationships, it's so helpful in a way to almost like not attach meaning to certain things. Mm-hmm. So I'll just let you get into it. Can you tell us about like the neurobiology, how it affects us? Let's just dive oh right in. Oh my gosh. Well, first, we would have a 17-hour podcast yes. and I would only <laughs> just get <Fine>. started. <laughs> People would have to take naps in between. <laughs> right? So here's something fun. When we're thinking about relationships, you have you in the very, very lower part of your brain, So let's think about it. I love Dan Siegel's work. I'm a huge fan. I trained with him for a long time. And he talks about the hand model of the brain. And so he has this thing where he says, well, you can make a fist with your hand. So the palm part of your hand is the brainstem. And then you put your thumb in the middle of your hand and then wrap your fingers around it. The thumb would be the subcortical part of your brain. And I use that language really particularly. Some people would say limbic. But I'm here to like blow our minds open (laughs) around what is actually down there because it's way, way more than limbic system. You've got, I'm going to throw out geeky science words. Everybody can just ignore them. Anyone who doesn't want them, just let them flow on by you. It doesn't matter. (laughs) You've got your basal ganglia, the default mode network, the mentalization network. You've got so much going on down there. We don't want to just call it a limbic system. So I call it the subcortical. And then the neocortex wraps on top. So in the very, very bottom, you've got two systems that are constantly working, mm, I want to say, in tandem with each other. There's the seeking system where you get wants and needs met, the drive to like move forward and create things and be in relationship with people and be connected. And that's in your midbrain, which is the top of your brainstem. And then you've also got your safety system, which is always scanning four times per second. I'm going to slow down and say that again. Four times every single second, your safety system is scanning. Am I okay? Am I not okay? Am I okay? Am I not okay? And those two, those two systems operate both way down in that brainstem area. So when it comes to relationship, you've got... One part of that system going, wait, am I safe enough? And the other part of that system going, oh, but I really want connection. I'm going to be moving towards the things 
that uh, are going to feed me in this world, including nourishment like food and shelter and stuff like that, but also people because we're an interconnected species. Oh, my gosh. So it's really hard (laughs) to feel both safe and connected at the same time. Right? Yes. And that's why we all have jobs. <laughs> right? I tell, that's why we're recession proof. Yes. yes right. Totally. <laughs> I am a trauma therapist and I and I train people all the time. I tell my interns all the time, you know what? Even if all the trauma went away, we will still have jobs. We will right. still have jobs. Right. Because being human really is this hard. <laughs> yes, it actually is. And and speaking speaking of trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Because you know, I know you said we scan for safety four times per second. Does that yes. change if you have gone through trauma or if you like, like, tell me how that affects your brain and what, what will yeah. happen in that? Okay. So now we're going to drop another piece of neurobiology. We're moving higher up in the brain. So how are we making this assessment? So your subcortical system has this lens. It's helping you see the world through. And I like to call it a psychological floor. It's part of your implicit memory system. And here's here's the way the brain works. This has has to do with how um, your brain is wired to make sense of reality. So you walk on this thing all the time that tells you about how the world works. And you walk on it as real and as unconsciously as the floor you are walking on all the time. And what tiles make up your floor, what rugs are on your floor, they're completely different than mine. So the way the wiring works is that the implicit memory system, that psychological floor, is sending information up to the neocortex. And the system that's going, what's happening right now, is also sending information up to that neocortex. Those mixed together, and that is actually how you see reality every moment of every day. I say it like this, your brain is wearing history colored glasses and you do not get to take them off ever. Mm. That's just your wiring. So if you have trauma (laughs) in your history, right? So if I lived in a world where moving towards people was dangerous and my biology says moving towards people equals survival, then my biological system and my memory system no two different things that are in competition with each other. So, of course, I scan the world through those history-colored glasses that says people suck. Right. <laughs> and they're going, oh, my gosh, um, that person looked at me funny. They probably hate me now. <laughs> but really, they were, like, burping or something. Right. <laughs> and trying to cover it up because they right. didn't want to, you know, look weird in public. Right. <laughs> right. But how I see that and how the person next to me sees that is going to be completely different based on what your history is. So, and your history is unique as a fingerprint to you. So you're always, you have, you have the safety system that's using here and now content plus your entire history. And in one quarter of one second, guessing whether or not this is okay or not okay. I know you can't, and you can't beat it a quarter of a second. Right, right. It's happening so quickly. No. Do not think that you're going to shift that. That is not in your, that's not possible. Mm. You can respond to it. You can notice, oh, wow, my history is coloring every single moment. Yes. Mm. And that's brilliant. You know, actually, so I have, I have a daughter who's nine now, but when she was really, really little, she would like discover grass. I'm thinking like back when she was six months old and she's laying on grass and she's feeling the grass and she puts the grass in her mouth and she's touching the grass and rolling on the grass and smelling it. Right. That's her learning about grass. She doesn't know what grass is. Now she runs over the grass to get to the bug because the bug is really interesting. Right. And she spends hours studying the spider because she doesn't know enough about spiders yet. Later on, that'll be old news too and she'll be fascinated with an ipad or something right (laughs) yes so so thank goodness our brains do this if they did not you would have to rediscover grass every single time Mm. you you could not function we would not have made it 
right? If your brain was not wired this way. So it's great that your brain wears history colored glasses. It's an enormous time saver. I wouldn't know what a chair is. Right. I have to refigure it out every time. It's, it's brilliant. brilliant. It's brilliant. And also it's such a nice, because I think when you first started saying history color, God, we were all like, oh no. Right? Yes. <laughs> like, oh well, no. Right? Yes. yes. Totally. <laughs> I say, thank God. Yes. And maybe you're only kind of fucked. Right. I like <laughs> Just that. Just a little. Just a little. Right. It helps And we can too. work with that. <laughs> <laughs> we can totally work with that. We are so excited to share our newest sponsor with you all, Hungry Root. Hungry Root is the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality groceries and simple, healthy recipes delivered to your door. The team at Hungry Root just sent me a new box full of amazing stuff. It was literally like I was opening a present going through it. Seeing what was inside and trying everything was just so thrilling. In my Hungry Root box was chicken salad, veggies, dumplings, shakes, cookies, and so much more. My favorite thing I tried was the drumroll donuts. I highly recommend them. The ordering process could not have been more simple. You take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know your personal health goals, what you like to eat, the kitchen appliances you use, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all of your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to good use. Hungry Root will recommend recipes and groceries based on your personal tastes, but each order is fully customizable. Take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, pantry staples, healthy snacks, sweets, ready-to-eat meals, and much more. Hungry Root has made my daily meal prep so much easier. The mental load of grocery shopping is exhausting, and Hungry Root gives me back that mental energy. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash Shrink Chicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash Shrink Chicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. When bloggers or influencers post their outfit links, nine times out of 10, I click on it and immediately exit because the price is bananas. It wasn't until recently that I clicked on something expecting it to be the usual out of my price range sweater and it was under $60 at Quince. Quince has become my ultimate destination for luxury essentials that won't break the bank. Let me tell you about some of the gems I found at Quince. From their 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters starting at just $50 to their washable silk tops and dresses, organic cotton sweaters, and stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, Quince offers a range of high-quality items at prices that are truly within reach. And here's the best part. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Yes, you heard that right. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the middleman passing the savings on to us. I recently got my hands on one of their washable silk tops and let me tell you it has become a staple in my wardrobe. Not only is it incredibly versatile, I've worn it to work, out with friends, and even dressed it up for a date night, but the quality is unmatched. Give yourself the luxury you deserve with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. It's an interesting thing. I mean, how many times we've we've had couples come in the room that say, you know, I'll be in the middle of a fight and I know that this is dumb and I know I want to be closest person and I know I love them and yet I cannot stop myself. Exactly. Why am I still fighting with my mother? I know you're not my mother. Yeah. Right this moment, I am fighting with my mother. Right. <laughs> like, like, and like this thing of like, I desperately do want to be close to you, and and I don't know if I even give a shit about this thing I'm fighting with, but I can't seem to stop it. And there's like this stuckness that comes. Can you speak to that at all? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, well, the subcortical brain is working way faster than that neocortex top part of your brain. So think about it like just two different speed settings. Mm. And the one that's going really fast has lots of jobs around keeping you safe and getting your needs met. And the one that's a little bit slower is great at nuance. And by the way, is the part of your brain that's more wired to do that nuanced relational connection. So I need my right prefrontal cortex engaged and in relationship with my subcortical brain mm. in order to be in a relational space uh, physiologically. So, ugh, <laughs> <laughs> right? The part where you're going, oh, wait, 
um, I can't seem to stop myself. That part of your brain does actually have a brake system, but it requires a choice. I, I, I'm a really big fan of, I give all my couples this, this tool. I, I like to call them time ends oh. rather than a timeout. So a timeout is great. And I love yeah. timeouts. I have no problem with timeouts. I love them, love them, love them. And there's an alternative kind of in between space that I'll give my couples where it's a time in where we pause the conversation on purpose with a cue or keyword. And I have my couples make up their own. And when that happens, everybody stops talking and everybody gets into relationship with their history for a minute, with their own inner experience, with whatever emotion is coming up and see if you can be a little kind towards the emotion that you're having. Mm -hmm. And the reason I care so much about kindness is from that neurobiological perspective, the front part of your brain, when you have a little bit of kindness towards yourself, sends GABA, which is a calming neurochemical, to the subcortical areas that process fear and internal emotional pain. Wow. They're wired directly to it. So if you would like to calm down fear and you would like to calm down pain, being kind to yourself is 100% key. And wow. here we are living in this world. I grew up in the States, right? I'm a, I'm a U.S. mutt, lived all <laughs> over the place. I've moved a ton as a kid. So everywhere I've been, I think I've heard the same message all over the U.S., which is uh, be really tough and grit it out and, and be harsh on yourself because that is the way you will improve. A few weeks ago, we had Dr. Kristen Neff on the show. She's amazing. She's amazing, amazing. right? I know. We love her so much. And I I love, but this thing, people think that you have to be mean to yourself to grow. Like we have this really fucked up societal belief about like, that's the only way to have motivation. Right. Like it all. It's pretty sick. Yeah. Like it (laughs) It will support our growth in some way. And so this is, this is why I love like talking about the neuro biology piece of it mm-hmm. that it's actually the opposite that it's, it's so important that you're exactly. kind to yourself in those moments and if you're leaning into that history going i should be harsh with myself and forget to be kind you're not crazy that's exactly how the brain is wired right mm. and by the way we were taught wrong the brain is wired to calm you down with kindness not with harshness but it's also, it can also calm you down with firmness. Mm. So I say loving firmness towards ourselves. So if I were in a space with my husband where I am, ah, right? <laughs> towards him, <laughs> and I'm going, and I have that little moment where I go, I do not think I am fighting only with Adam right now. Mm. <laughs> what do I have to do? I have to put in a pause to go, Jules, stop, sweetie. Hold on. All that time in. And then we can both pause and come into relationship with ourselves before we turn back and go, wait, what were you saying? (laughs) I think we're maybe missing each other here. (laughs) Right? And that means that we can still have the conversation. Yes. Adding in a little bit of slowness so we can keep that top brain online. Yes. Mm. How, because I'm thinking about, right, so if someone's listening to this, they're not used to taking that pot, doing that time in, right, mm-hmm. in their relationship specifically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there anything, like any sort of practice you would suggest that someone can do to start to like integrate it? Yes, I have a ton. The first one would be a meta conversation with your partner. <laughs> so you can't do this without an agreement. <laughs> so it would be an agreement that you would set up when you're not in conflict, that in conflict, maybe we could try this out and see how it goes. And the other suggestion I would have with that would be that you commit to trying it out for a good three to four weeks, even if it goes really, really badly every time before Mm -hmm. you make a decision about whether or not this tool is helpful for you. Oh, I love that. Right? Because practice yes. makes progress. Totally. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to get it right the first time. I would be shocked. <laughs> if you do, would you call me and tell me about <laughs> it? Because I don't know. <laughs> right? 
And in that meta conversation, you would come up with some sort of keyword, right? Where you would, you would stop, you would have a, have a stop. And I like the keyword to be weird so that it's not, it's, it's not something you normally say in a conversation. So it can't be confused. Right. Okay. And then um, inside of that pause. So once you pause, I love staying in the same room. It's not about abandoning each other. Mm. I'm all about how do we own both simultaneously? My, my friend the other day was saying, I'm just going to call you two truths, Jules. You're holding both <laughs> hands all the time. This is, this is true. So I'm thinking like, oh, we could hold two things at the same time. I want to keep myself safe and I want to be connected. And mm. the, the reality I am embracing in this moment is right now, whether I like it or not, some part of my brain just tagged you as danger. But I wonder if that's true. But I mm. wonder. Mm. Let me pause for a second and just wonder. Be curious with yourself, not judgmental. I wonder. Ooh, what's coming up in me that's tagging this sweet person who I'm trying to be connected to as potentially dangerous to me? Mm-hmm. And out of that, who knows what comes next? I can't tell you what's going to happen once you're in that space of curiosity and kindness towards yourself. I can't tell you what's going to unfold in the, <laughs> in the relationship next. But what I would say is if what I have my people do who are who come into couples therapy with me is when one partner thinks they're cool to continue, they turn towards the partner, mm-hmm. but do not talk. And wait until the other person also does a turn towards. When they both do a turn towards, here's my first ask. Is before you talk, look at your partner and see if they look attractive to you. Mm. If they do, chances are good you're back in that right prefrontal cortex. Mm. If they look gross or bad to you, it's time to go ahead and take a time out. You're probably, your cortisol is probably already released in your bloodstream. Go ahead and take a break. Wow, oh, that's such a good indicator. That is holy wild. shit. That's so good. <laughs> wait, okay, wait. So then that brings up something you had a um, recently in a podcast episode. You had talked about a rage is a bid for connection. Yes, I can, love rage. Can we connect? Well, <laughs> and us. I don't know if you don't know this about me. Is I am a I am a rageful, grandiose woman, <laughs> and I have done a tremendous amount of of couples and marriage intensives in my marriage. Yeah, um, because this. That is me. That is how I incorporate things. And it has taken so much to try to, one, not hate myself for that. Because that was filled with a lot of hate to have this anger, especially as a woman, right? To, like, feel angry and rageful. Um, And I think also as a mother, that's like, Uh it feels like a lot of shame. Totally. But that there is, like, something to that. So I'm obsessed. Tell me more about rage as a bid for connection. Okay. So let's look at it in in infant world and then we'll apply that to to that thing you just said okay so this is yak concepts work for anybody who cares about the neuroscientist who wrote a ton about this um he wrote a book called the archaeology of the mind it's great and incredibly dense so if you're not into dense <laughs> reading skip it and just go with this this is a cliff notes version okay so the seeking system he did a ton of work in the seeking system the midbrain which is that top of the brain stem that system is dopaminergic. So it's, it innervates you with energy to reach mm-hmm. out towards. So when that seeking system first reaches out, it's reaching out towards eye contact, care from a caregiver. And if it's met, oh, we get the oxytocin release and we move into care and we get our needs met. And yeah, yeah, yeah. If it does not get answered, the first thing that happens is panic grief. And you can feel this if you, anybody who has kids out there, you've heard a baby, maybe you have a niece or nephew, um, heard a baby crying. You can hear that like, oh, oh." it gets your attention real fast, right? It's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Right? That's that panic grief. And it's meant to bring you back into care. Wow. Oh, and the mom pays attention and here we are, right? And then if that doesn't work, we move into fear crying. So that's more of a shrill, like, ah, right? There's something not okay here, right? And of course, dad pays attention to that, brings him, brings the baby back into care. If that doesn't work, we 
escalate into rage. And I read about this for years before I had a kiddo. And um, I'm such a geek. <laughs> I, was, I was with my child. I was on the kitchen floor for some reason. I don't know what I was doing. I was doing something with her kind <laughs> hanging of. out but i was i was hanging out on the kitchen floor but i was working on doing something folding napkins or something with her on the i was i had my hands and eyes away from her and she's talking to me next to me and i was like yeah yeah i'm listening go ahead she starts escalating into that line baby i'm listening to you but i did not look at her she grabs my face and she whips my head around. She goes, Mommy, listen to me. And I went, in my head, I went, Yuck, punks up is right. Rage is good for connection. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Dang, that worked. And of course, at that point, because I'm, I'm such a geek, I did say that in my head in the moment and, and went, Oh, sweetie, you're right. I was not paying attention to you. Mm -hmm. And then we made up and we had that little moment. Now, if. You lived in a household early on where rage was the thing that was answered most frequently. It was the most successful. I would guess you would escalate towards rage faster because you would <laughs> learn your history colored glasses say, this is not going well. I know what to do when things don't go well. Rage like that. And that mm. is not your fault, hon. You were taught that works. Mm -hmm. How validating that is in so yeah. many ways, you know, because I think it is easy when there is a rage response to be hard on yourself about it after to, mm -hmm. right, to understand that it's this bid for connection as opposed to how it's read as, oh, you're trying to hurt your partner. You're trying to, mm -hmm. you know, you're trying, there's control that, that it's this right. real need for connection. You know, I think just is so validating. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't say that to excuse how it lands on people, right? but I say it to understand it. Skeptical about custom beauty? I get it. My feet is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising to fix my fine lines and thinning hair. But when Pro says custom, they actually mean it. It's no gimmick. Your formula couldn't exist without you. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. They get personal. Pros covers everything from your concerns to your age, exercise, and stress levels in order to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. They asked me about my hair loss being genetic in my family, how long it takes for my hair to get oily after a wash, what products and tools I use to style my hair, and even my zip code to understand how the water hardness, UV index, and cold dry winter in Philly might be impacting me. Next, they recommended a full routine of truly personalized products, which were only produced after I placed my order. Nothing pre-mixed, nothing off the shelf. Since I switched to pros, I've noticed my hair is so much softer, shinier, and fuller. I keep getting asked if I got a blowout from the salon. But don't just take my word for it. In a third-party double-bind dermatologist-supervised clinical controlled study, aka the gold standard in research studies, pros prove that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering my listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash shrinkchicks for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash shrink chicks. And I think it's such an interesting part, right? Because we're talking about like, it's absolutely a bid for connection. I'm thinking about um, the interaction I had with my daughter a few weeks ago where I had my phone in my hand and she took the phone out of my hand and threw it. Yep. And I wanted to be really <laughs> mad at her. And I was like, you know what? You are fucking right. I was on my phone more than talking to you and that sucked. Um, but yeah. I think there's this part also is like, if you had this childhood experience of like, okay, well, people answered my rage. Like, I finally escalated enough. Somebody would hear and see me. Yeah. The hard part is in your adult relationships, often it causes people to run from you of and, course it does. and then the shame is so significant Ooh. 
begins. Oh. Right? And, and it pulls like, you into total despair, doesn't it? Yes. And you're like, oh, I so badly want humans, but also nobody can handle my feelings. And I think oh. it also brings up that very childlike state. And the childlike state, I know for me, is what keeps me then in the fight being, you know, when I go into my grandiose, like, critical part. Yeah, of course. Yes. And so it's, that's why, um, so I recently read a, wrote a book called Setting Boundaries That Stick. And I talk about two different kinds, well, four different kinds of boundaries total, but two different larger sort of uh, umbrellas. One is that external boundary, the kind you would think about between you and other people, but the other kinds are all internal boundaries. How do you keep your mind safe from the psychology of other people? How do you keep them safe from your psychology? How do you keep people safe from your behavior? How, how, do you, how do you come into relationship with yourself in a way that is so deeply kind mm. and also firm enough to really get that you do have influence mm. on other people, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think about that as like a containing boundary where, oh, I own that I have influence. And I'm going to use that empowerment as much as I can in a way that fully aligns with my relational and personal integrity. Mm. And can I set up a practice? See, I'm big on practices. You can already tell with my time ends. I'm big on practices. (laughs) (laughs) Can you set up a couple of cue words and a gesture that's going to help the basal ganglia, which is part of your subcortical brain? help you execute at speed a containing mm-hmm. boundary what yeah. would what would that look like like what would you well, suggest yeah I'm, I'm curious if you're willing to do an experiment with me and mm-hmm. and emily you were talking yeah you were yeah. talking about <laughs> yeah. are you willing to for me to work with you just yes. a little bit yes. on it okay yes okay so i wonder i want to if- say no but yes <laughs> <laughs> I really, I hear that maybe. I hear that maybe, and I do not push on people's boundaries. (laughs) Because really, it pushed back on me, and I'll explain it with a case if you don't want to do it. No, no, let's do it. Okay. So um, I wonder if you could notice uh, two or three moments where you acted in such a way that you went, yep, that was me and my value system. I did awesome. Okay. Could you picture a couple, like take a snapshot of a couple, three moments of those? Okay. If you had a few words to describe that human, how would you describe her? Mm, Brave. Okay. Strong and soft as well. Yeah. Wonderful. And if there were one word or phrase that incorporated brave, strong, and soft, are all three important? Or is there one word that feels like, oh, yeah, that's it? Mm. I don't know. I want to say brave and soft. I'm not sure. Brave and um, soft. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. Brave and soft. Okay, great. Now, I wonder if you could picture uh, yourself with your child. Okay. Mm-hmm. Picture yourself with your partner. And picture yourself with a stranger. Okay. And imagine that that sweet human was in relationship with each one of those people in a way that was really awesome. And is there any word or phrase that might describe across all three of those how that person loves to be in relationship? Oof. Honest. Honest. I go back to brave again. I go Perfect. back, I go back to like, yeah, like this. I, I think also transparent, right? So part of bravery for me is transparency. I mean, moving away from people pleasing, moving away yeah. from, you know, really diffuse boundaries. So I feel like that's bravery for me. Awesome. So honest, transparent. Yes. Yeah. So brave, soft, honest. Those would be keywords for you. Okay. Yes. Does yes. that feel true? Yes. And just check it out. How does your body respond? Is it going, oh, yeah, that's good. It feels good. Not only does it feel like, oh, yeah, it's good, but then it also feels like my chest is a little bit less tight. Yeah. Um, Like I could like breathe a little bit. Mm -hmm. You got it. Yes. Yeah. Great. Now, I wonder if you could imagine a really good friend had a hard time 
they were going through something tough. Like, ooh, sticky and awful and hard. Is there any uh, gesture that you would do with your body? Like, let's say they were on the phone. You couldn't actually touch them. But like, for me, it's like, oh, I put my hand on my heart when somebody's having a hard time. I wonder, what do you do with your body when you're offering compassion to someone going through a hard time? I I feel like I actually hold myself. Like I hold a certain part of it. So you talk about your chest. I think I put it over my my hand on my stomach, like I hold my gut or something. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's your right hand. Yes, my right hand. That's right. Your right hand. Yeah. Yeah. So you put your right hand over your belly. Okay. Great. So now match right hand over belly with those words. Brave, soft, honest. Brave, soft, honest. Good. And what's that like? Feels nice. Good. Feel like nurturing. Great. Now go back to a moment where that rage came out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And now lay it out in your mind. Mm-hmm. And in one moment, just freeze frame it and then put your hand on your belly and say that in your head brave, soft, honest. Brave, soft, honest. Yeah. And if you did that in that moment, would you have been able to stop yourself? Yes, I feel like the holding to myself, there was something that feels very nurturing and mothering to myself mm-hmm. in that moment that would make it okay to have walked away or to taken a break Take or a break. to hold on to myself. Yes. Right. And it doesn't mean you don't come back and say what yes. you need to say. It means you don't give yourself permission to say it in that way. And it feels very different than my experience of like, you need to go away. <gasps> right. Because that feels, yes. Yes. That's exactly. what feels bad. Yes. Boundaries for me, it's all, it's not about getting the other person to do anything. It's about what are we doing? Because mm-hmm. you, here's the secret. It's terrible news. I have terrible news for everyone. <laughs> you cannot control other people's feelings, it's behaviors, terrible. or thoughts. We hate yeah, it. That is the worst news. <laughs> As a, we always say As that's the worst someone news. Who's we deliver it to, to people. And as someone who like spent so much time in Al-Anon and had like addiction in my life, right? Mm-hmm. Growing up, like I also think yeah. like I am like, I struggle so much with codependency, which totally. becomes very critical and controlling, which sucks totally. for everyone. It sucks for everybody. Yeah. And there's no way you don't do that because yes. what the hell else are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> You're in this completely uncontrolled environment. Of course, you learn to manipulate and control people because it was the only thing that kind of sometimes worked. Mm-hmm. Of course. Of course. Yeah. So there's a containing boundary practice. Wow. So then I have people practice it. A lot, even when they're not triggered, so that it's so automatic when you are triggered, you can put your hand on your belly and go, wait, what were those words? Mm-hmm. Even that will create a pause between what you feel and what you do so that you can check, oh, is the thing I'm about to do really going to be brave, soft, and honest? Ooh. If not, I'm out of my integrity. It gives, you, it gives you an option to give yourself a second to empower yourself to stay in your integrity. Oh, I love wow. this. Ah, yeah. my heart is yeah. in my stomach. Like that's why I wrote one. the book. Because <laughs> I want to care. I want people to be like, oh, you, did you know you could be connected and safe and empowered all at the same time? Well, and I there's something also to talk about it in terms of I, I think especially women have been so socialized about how they should be to other people. I love you're talking about in terms of our own integrity of who I want to be. Because mm-hmm. I think, especially for women, it's so taught of like, well, don't upset them or or make sure they're happy. And this is so dramatically yeah. different of like, no, no, no. This, this is, is about actually, you. Yes. This is about celebrating how amazing you really are. Well, it also doesn't make you resentful towards your fucking partner because when you totally. do all the right. I mean, that's the other thing is like, then you're not resentful towards all these people. Especially if you exactly. struggle with boundaries and you're sitting here and you're passive aggressive and you're resentful and you have all this other garbage. This right. is so dramatically different. It gives you all of the empowerment, yeah. right? It gives you all of the power and all of yes. that. It's all of that empowerment piece of it, as opposed to giving it to someone else to say, you have to give this to me. Right. I get to give this to myself. Exactly. Because how even do you set an executed boundary with someone else, right? How do you how do you embody that? What work do we need to do on the inside in order to support ourselves when someone has a hard reaction? Right. 
which that's more of your mentalization neural network. Yeah. So I have practices for that in there too. So there's this question of, oh, they're looking at the world through history colored glasses too. Yes. Oh, I'm what I just did was only this much mm-hmm. of you know, a teeny, I held my fingers close together. Those who are just watch listening. this. People need we to watch this episode on YouTube. <laughs> people watch it on YouTube, everyone. <laughs> I love it. So I have some influence over how someone feels and thinks. But don't forget, they're wearing history colored glasses too. But their history is more influential over what they feel and think in this moment than anything you just did. The second you really get that. So I have this thing that I talk about. I don't know. Do we have time? Yes. Um, For you, um, anything. Keep going. Anything. Keep going. <laughs> 17 hours. I'm never in. logging off. <laughs> so, so what is emotion? If you, I asked 100 different emotion researchers, they would tell you 100 different things. There is no uh, consensus. But if I look at it like a Venn diagram where all those little circles, if I look at where do they all kind of overlap, here's what I'm seeing. Oh, you have to do this really hard thing. Your brain has to guess what's going to happen three to five seconds from now in order to allocate resources properly. So you can even feel it right now. Take a moment. Let the chair hold you up just a little teeny bit more than it is right now. Like really trust it. It's got you. And then you're not going to do anything. But just imagine I'm about to stand up and check out what happens in your body. All of a sudden, you'll move out of that deep breath space into a little bit shorter breath, into Mm -hmm. sending energy in your legs, however you stand. If you're a person who's like, oh, hell no, I just went for a run. You probably went, "Uh uh-uh, and sunk deeper into the couch. (laughs) We don't have a universal response, but you will have a response. Why? Because the brain is using all this thought and feeling data as a part of guessing where to send resources in your body so that they're ready for you three to five seconds from now. Well, that's a complicated thing. How the heck are you going to guess? You base your predictions on your history plus a scan internally of resources you have available in this moment. How tired are you? How hungry are you? How cold are you? (laughs) So you take resources of moment, Everything you've ever learned, stimuli from the outside, and go, what does that mean to me in this moment? And it comes out in this, I love what Antonio Damasio said. He said, emotions are cognition, like any other cognition. They're the result of a curious physiological arrangement that made Mm. the brain the body's captive audience. So what does that mean in English? I love him. He's a poet. He makes me happy. (laughs) but it means the brain's going how am i doing i'm cool what do i know about this moment from every bit of my history am i cool and then your brain is going huh i have a meaning for you in a little packet of information that we like to call emotion and those emotions are moving boom 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 boom. one after another after another after another there's no moment when you're not feeling something i got into by the way when I started this work, I got into an argument with my therapist because I was in a just shitty place. How did I get into the job like most people get into this job? I was in a shitty place in my life. I went to therapy and went, damn, I want your job. Yeah. <laughs> I'll fix this. Right? I'll fix it. But my, my first three months were spent arguing with him about whether or not feelings mattered. My argument was they didn't and they were stupid. <laughs> right. And then because I am a geek and because I thought therapy was probably woo woo and bullshit, I went into the neurobiology to wonder whether or not it was bullshit and found out that it wasn't because feelings are actually you becoming yourself through time. What? Wow. <laughs> right. Okay. So think of self not like a solid thing, like a rock or a table. Think of self like a river. And if you went to the banks of the valley, banks of that river, it looks the same day to day to day. But if you skipped it for 20 years and then came back, it would look like a different river. And why? 
why is it changing? It's because of the flow of the water and the drought and the rains and all the things, right? The outside affects the river and the inside of the river affects the river. What is that flow of information that's so constant that is our river? It's your emotions. So if I want someone to feel differently than they are feeling, what I'm asking them to do is to not become themselves. Rather than greeting them with kindness or firmness or boundary, whatever you need, because not every not everyone has a pause between what they feel and what they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes what people do is not okay. <laughs> I do not use any of these skills to be an advocate for sticking around when somebody's being an yeah. asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Go. <laughs> right. And sometimes I think my husband's being an asshole. And those are my history colored glasses. And sometimes mm. he he is having a feeling, but he's not actually doing anything that's harmful. But the feeling feels scary to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I need a psychological boundary there. Ooh. Right. To separate me from him so that his feeling doesn't feel so scary to me anymore. Because mm. I don't want to mess with it because that would be messing with him becoming himself through time. Yeah. Oof. Wow. Yeah. I, I the, <laughs> the thing that I think is so important about that too is right as you said our partners people we're in relationships with have their own lens and to be very conscious of that right because if we can understand that it might be bringing up fear for us and our reaction to them keeps them from becoming more of themselves totally. and then how that affects the two of you interpersonally yeah. Yeah, exactly. And my level of curiosity matches the level of closeness I would like. Right. So, mm-hmm. for example, somebody might say something. I, here's something to know about me. For those who are seeing seeing me here, you wouldn't know this. I'm six feet tall, which is an unusual height for a woman. It gets a lot of attention. <sighs> uh, my husband is 5'9". That also gets us some attention here yeah. and there. So. It's not weird for me to have this experience. Other tall women, will, you can go ask them and they will join us in this. It's not a strange question for me to walk into like a convenience store to pay for gas or something and have the guy behind the counter go, wow, you're tall. Is it hard to get a boyfriend? I've oh. heard this so many times. It's shocking. <laughs> Usually the guy behind the counter is short. Anyway, <laughs> it's some version of that. Right. Ooh, you're tall. Is it hard yeah. to find a partner? <laughs> right. Okay. So for some reason, they feel totally fine asking me this question. My level of curiosity about why they feel totally fine asking me this question is relatively low because I don't want to be close to that person. Mm-hmm. But now let's let's flash forward and go, okay, I'm going out to a party with my husband and I have on wedge heels. And he looks at my outfit, he looks at my shoes, he goes, "Mm, would you mind changing? Now, he knew he was shorter than me when we married. (laughs) If this, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what's going on, but my level of curiosity about why he wants me to change my shoes today and not yesterday or the day before that or whatever is actually very high. Why? Because I do want to be close to him. But how can I keep in curiosity? I have to keep myself safe, which means I have to not take that personally. I want to help people with practices that are not just advice, don't take it personally, but literally how. How do you work with your lower brain not to take it personally? Mm, Holy shit. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We have nothing. We are just just flabbergasted. I don't know. That's why neurobiology can set us free. Really, it really, it is so fascinating, which is why I was dying to get you on because I knew that our reaction would be just our mouths wide open. Yeah. With no, no I know that we have have to get do calling bullshit because we have to eventually end this episode. Right. But I, I don't think we ever do this. But will you come back again? I mean, I I, we, ne- we never have guests on twice, but can you come on maybe 
15 times because yeah, I think we have just, a lot like, to talk about. Are and you I kidding? also saw that your intensives are booked up until 20, the end of 2024. Right. And this is going to be my <laughs> way of getting it. <laughs> I love it. Yes. For I would absolutely adore it. I love okay. you all. I love all right. your podcast. Anytime. Okay. <laughs> all right. Jules, something we do on Shrink Shrinks is we, we do this thing with all guests where we say calling bullshit, where we ask them to call some bullshit in their field. Um, a myth you want to bust, anything at all. What is mm-hmm. some bullshit you'd like to call today? I would love to call bullshit that setting boundaries is about getting people to do something you want them to do. That is a direct request. Mm. Boundaries have nothing to do with getting other people to do anything. Boundaries have to do with you saying, here's what's okay with me. Here's what's not okay with me. If the not okay thing happens, what am I going to do next? Given whatever the reality is I'm in. Mm. Like, I'm a white chick. I get some freedoms to say some shit that other people in in our world do not get to say. I'm not about... Hey, you should do boundaries the way I do. You should do boundaries. I have, <laughs> I have a thing about like we 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 have a lot of uh, messages out there about here's here's what a boundary should be if it's healthy. I don't think anybody out there should define for you mm. what a healthy boundary is, except for you. Because you're the only one living in your context, and context matters. And what's okay or not okay for me in my context and what's okay for me to do on the back end when it's not okay in my context is not the same Mm. as everybody else's. So I want to move us away from, hey, you're not respecting my boundary because you didn't do the thing I asked you to do and into, oh, let me ask first. And then if it doesn't happen, Ooh, let me pause and wonder, what do I do in response to that? Yeah. Given the context I'm really in and given what I think healthy boundaries mean for me in the context of my life right now. All right. Oh, my God. Jules. Jules. (laughs) Where where can people find you? Where can they hear more? Because you will get a lot. You'll get a lot of people. I love it. Uh, Where can people find you after this? Cleariskind.com. So good. And and, and when is your book coming out? Tell us the name of it. Tell everyone where they can find it. Sure. It is coming out December 1st. 2023. It is available for pre-order already. Yay. Yay for pre-orders. Yay. They tell my publisher people yes. want the book and yes. they'll print more. We're doing it yes. right now. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, and it's it's called Setting Boundaries That Stick. How neurobiology can help you rewire your brain to feel more safe, connected, and empowered. Amazing. Buy the book, pre-order now, <laughs> listen to Jules, contact Jules, follow Jules. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Shrink Chicks. We always ask you to rate, review, subscribe. I bet you liked today's episode. How the fuck could you not? Please send it on over to a friend. Um, you could follow us um, on the therapy group or Shrink Chicks. Look with one of our clinicians at the therapygroup.com. You can buy our merch on shrinkchicks.com. We have a journal on Amazon. We have lots and lots of things. Jules, thank you for Thank being here you. today. It oh was an absolute honor for us. It is a delight. Thank <gasps> you. I feel so grateful that you had me on. Yay. <laughs> Feeling Yay. is mutual. <laughs> Feeling is mutual. And I bet you enjoy Jules. And then don't ever forget that to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. We'll see you next week on Tree Chicks. Bye.